Good morning, everyone. These are clearly the early birds, right? <laughs> Everybody else is still cuddled up in bed, whatever. I won't use the word hangover to imply something, but hungover <laughs> from Christmas. Um, good, to, good to see everybody. So this morning we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, I love a tradition that we have around here, that, which is the last Sunday of the year, we reflect. We take our, we take our time and we have a quieter service. Uh, in fact, we give our, our, the majority of our band a week off, so they actually get a little bit of time off. So it's just going to be Sharia leading us uh, in music today. And you're also going to see, we're going to take some time to reflect. You're going to have an insert card. Um, hopefully you have a pen. If you don't, your phone probably has some way to take notes. But we're going to reflect on a couple of things and take some little breaks to actually think about uh, what this year has meant for us and what that means for next year. Uh, so with that said, and by the way, hi to the online people. If you see us, I was just told we think our internet crashed. <laughs> so you guys might be the only people seeing this. Um, we move, right? We keep going no matter what. Uh, so uh, Sharia, you want to get us started? And we're yeah, here. let's all stand together. So 
is shocked that it's the last Sunday of 2021. <laughs> I know it's always it's a dumb cheap thing to say, but man, this year went by really quick and it's hard to even think back what a month ago was, what 3 months ago because it feels like that looming cloud of what's next just kind of keeps following us over the last 2 years. I I mentioned uh when I when I talked to her before Sharia got up, I love the opportunity to reflect this week uh cuz all those things we just sang about God it's so easy in the challenges and the day-to-day and the things right in front of us to lose sight of those. And it's part of what the human experience is. God tells us exactly that. And, and so one of the things that, that we're going to do is this going to be, um, this morning is going to be three texts that spoke to me personally as I wrestled with this, as I started to legitimately come to faith. Um, things that challenged me to think about what this meant as part of my human experience. And so I'm going to hope hope that this is a guide for us this morning as we reflect on on what life looks like and it's all under this idea of the pursuit of more. We start every year you can call it uh your new your new year's resolution list whatever you want to call it. The end of the year and the start of the year, the end of a birthday, whatever we have these milestones, we get an opportunity to reflect and think about who we are as people and and we always it doesn't mean we hate ourselves but we can always find our flaws when you look in the bathroom mirror in the morning you see things no one else will ever see whether it's pores that are blocked or whatever it is your ear one ear is asymmetrical whatever it is that only you know but you think the rest of the world sees it so it's our chance to actually sit and reflect on those things that we know we want more of and maybe for one reason or another we feel like we've come up a little bit short And as members of RCC there's no better place to start with this one. More joy. Who doesn't want more joy? If you had a perfect year and you have all the joy possible, no one will judge you. You can leave right now. It's totally okay. Cuz the rest of this probably won't apply that much to you either. But we're going to start here with more joy and this is actually the first thing in church that actually struck me to the point that I walked around with this text for a while. I got into RCC. I joke with Todd that I was maybe here for a year based on what he tells me, but this is the first text I actually legitimately heard him preach. And that's James 1, 2 through 4. James is writing this letter to all the nation of Israel, all the new Christians who have just been booted. They're lost, they're displaced from their homes. and right after saying hi this letter is from James he goes into this count it all joy 
Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So I had a boss that we bonded. He was Jewish, and, and we were talking. We'd been working together for about three months. We were talking about something, and he mentioned Jewish guilt. And I was like, I have Catholic guilt. And he's like, no wonder we get along so well. So I was always under this expectation that the more miserable you were, the better Christian whatever it was that you were trying to be. You were more connected to God because you were miserable. And then I'm sitting here, I'm about where Chuck and Joan are sitting right now, and I see count it all joy, and it stops me cold. Think about that. Count it all joy, not some of it joy, not a little bit of it joy, and not count it all, eh, or you'll get through this, just suck it up. Count it all joy. James is actually setting a divinely inspired bar for us. He's telling us he wants us to believe that everything can actually be joyful. Sometimes that feels a little difficult to believe. That that's the bar. If we believe Jesus is who he says he is, and that God's plan is happening, and our eternity has certainty... We should be able to count it all joy. Now, I don't want to cheapen pain. That's the biggest issue, and when people see this, they might struggle with it. He's not saying you're not allowed to hurt. You're not allowed to have pain. What he's saying is this is how we get back up. That simultaneously in the hurt and the pain, we get back up because God loves us. And we understand the most important thing, our eternal salvation, is ensured because of our love for Jesus. And I love the next line that he has here, too, because he's being a realist. When you meet trials of various kinds, not if you meet trials of various kinds, sometimes we get confused and we think because we have Jesus, everything is going to be perfect. There may be some people tell you the stronger your faith, the bigger your Porsche. That's not what he's trying to get across. When you meet trials of various kinds, pain is coming, and it looks different for everybody. I love, uh, there's a Mel Brooks quote. It's one of my favorite quotes. And yes, I'm quoting Mel Brooks in church. Somebody asked him what comedy was. And he said, comedy is when your mother-in-law falls down a manhole. Tragedy is when I get a paper cut. There are people, I use that to say, there are people around us at all times going through something. And what may seem not such a big deal to us might be darn near soul-crushing to them. And our pain, when we feel like we're alone because people don't understand what we're going through, gives us a chance to realize how we're feeling compared to how they're feeling when they're feeling that pain. One of the biggest issues that I, that I see, even, this, even this before I started working here, is people feel like they're left alone that they're going through something that nobody else can understand. And that's part of the, the value of the church and part of our joy is that we understand we're all going through these trials. And he continues on, he says, for you know that testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Because we're going through these trials, it gives us an opportunity to grow closer to God, to talk to him a little bit more. He's not telling us we did something wrong. He's not telling us that our sadness is a problem with our lives, that our disappointment is a problem with our lives. He's, t he's telling us we have a moment to connect with him. 
to ask more questions, to find out what about this moment is it actually trying to get us to see. And in that, we realize our connection to God and that cycle starts all over again and we get strengthened again because we get to see why we can count it all joy. And he continues on and he builds up. Guys, here's the point. The more you see this over and over and over, your steadfastness, your realization that even in the pain, you are still connected and loved by God, it helps you get back up. And not just to barely function, but to darn near thrive in the moment because you realize your connection to God and it helps you get to this goal that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. And again, he's not talking about the material stuff. Lacking in nothing means that you realize the sufficiency you have from your connection to who Jesus is and your faith. So I guarantee you somewhere this year, all of us have had something that didn't feel like joy. We struggled to find what's the joy in this moment whether it took a little bit of time to start the assessment process, God, what are you asking for in this? Or a couple of extra days to feel like we're, getting, we're potentially getting through it. Maybe, it's, maybe you've carried it with you continuously. That's what I want us to ponder for this first reflection. Where was it tough to find joy in 2021? Maybe for you it was a work situation, a lack of work, or a difficult job. Kept you away from family put you at risk in, with, with all of COVID going on. You're, maybe you're on the front line. Maybe it's something going on at home. Maybe it's something with your home. We've talked about this already as a congregation. We look around, lots of folks are leaving this area. We're losing neighbors that we love. We're losing community members at RCC that we love who have chosen that the right time and the right moment for them is somewhere else. Maybe you're going through that process. Maybe that's been a challenge and a struggle, and the disappointment of walking away from what we know has robbed us of some of this joy. Maybe it's a health challenge. Maybe you're still waiting for the doctor results. Maybe you got the results. Maybe you got the results, and it's telling you you're closer to meeting Jesus, and you still aren't totally sure where your affairs are in terms of getting them in order. I can tell you I've gotten to go through this process with my dad passing 13 months ago, the self-assessment of each member of my family and how we've collectively gone through what this looks like to have a sudden death in the family and how, we, and how we move forward has changed how we look at our health, how we look at our home, all of this stuff. And working through those dynamics. Maybe there's some other tough decision that's, that's not one of those above that you're wrestling with. Maybe you're keeping it to yourself. Maybe not even your immediately fa immediate family members know. But something that is challenging you to understand how connected and loved you are by God. And it's okay if that's where you are. It's okay if that's where you were. This is part of the human experience, is learning what that gap is between holiness. Because remember, we're never going to get there. We're not going to be Jesus. But understanding who we are in light of him helps us appreciate him even more and value him even more and value what we've been given even more. And then here's the easiest one. Maybe it's a relationship. The best and the reason we get out of bed in the morning, the best thing about life is these people we love and adore and want to spend our time with. Simultaneously, the most frustrating part of life is these people that we have to deal with. 
God's plan is mysterious simply because we're involved in it. People can be tough. So I want us to take a minute or so. Sharia's going to play some music so we can think about it, and, and, then, we'll, and then we'll get into uh, singing a little bit of worship with it. But I want to take a moment to reflect on that exact idea. Where was it tough on those note cards you have and stuff? If you want to write it down, if you want to think about it, if you want to type it into your phone, something to ponder. Where was it difficult to find joy? Where is it difficult to find joy? Where might you see that gap in your trust that we can continue to grow in next year? We're going to be optimistic. We're going to grow in this. But we have to understand where we are in order to take that step forward. So take a, take a minute or so. So in addition to 
finding more joy in our circumstances. I think we all, no matter what, this is the perpetual cycle, we can all use more healing. Now, I'm not going to promise physical healing. If I did, I'd probably be somewhere in the south with a way bigger church. I don't know. Sorry, did I just offend a bunch of people? Um, today we're going to talk about relational healing. Like I said, people are both the most fantastic thing as part of our existence and the most frustrating thing as part of our existence. And this has been an area of, of big growth for me from the time I finally started listening when James caught my attention and I finally went, wait a minute, maybe I've thought about this all wrong and kind of reconstructed an, an, a more accurate view of who God was in Matthew 9, uh, chapter 6, 9 to 15. Uh, one of the most familiar passages around, even if you're like me and you struggle a little bit sometimes to go, wait, where is that in the Bible? I know, I know what you're going to talk about. And it's this, it's the Lord's Prayer. Jesus gives us the example. He says, here is the way you should pray. If there's an idea to follow that Jesus gave us, praying like he told us to is probably a good thing to follow. So I got used to this. I was raised with this in the Catholic Church going through this. I used to pray this every night when I had trouble sleeping. My mom encouraged that I would do this. So this is something I can rattle off like nobody's business. But I used to contemplate this uh, every time I, I went through it. And it's so rich and so deep. Pray like this then. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It starts with us understanding how big God is and what life here can actually look like when we trust him. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Give us food, Help us to understand relational dynamics. The people that we owe, and he's not talking just about cash and exchanges. He's talking about relational issues. Who have we, who have we been hurt by and who have we hurt? That one always stood out to me. But it never really hit me until I actually started reading the Bible for myself and I read the next two verses right after this. I always thought they were, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. That's not actually in the Bible. It's a nice statement, but it's not actually in the Bible. What's actually in the Bible right after this, Jesus doubles down on forgiveness. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I was doing a, a reading on I wanted to understand prayer better. I got stuck on this idea for an entire summer because it hit me so hard. Wait, so the Lord's Prayer is walking through all the things that we should be praying to God for, and part of that is forgiveness and understanding how we've impacted people negatively and how we've been negatively impacted people. But Jesus comes right back afterwards and he goes, guys, I'm not kidding about forgiveness. Here's what you need to understand. When you understand the gift we have been given in Christ and we see how we are compared to God, it makes it way easier to forgive. If we struggle to see that, and we hold grudges, and we hold anger toward other people, one commentator went so far as to say, Jesus was trying to tell us, don't even bother praying the Lord's Prayer, because you don't get it. 
when this hit me, the amount of frustration, anger, disappointment, blame, finger pointing that I had toward other people. That's why it took me all summer. I was so convicted. And here's the good thing, though. On the other side of this, I realized the reason why he says this, one, he's serious. God is serious about forgiveness. But the weight that I was carrying because of that, he doesn't want us carrying that weight. We can't find that joy if we're carrying the weight of frustration and anger and bitterness toward other people. Because it affects how we carry ourselves. It affects how we treat them. We're not the light. We're not an extension of Jesus when this is how we're carrying ourselves. He doesn't want us to carry that weight. So this is the space that I like us to think about. Simple and easy. Who do we need to forgive? If all, again, if all of your relationships are perfect, if you've been maximized in joy, everything's totally good, Enjoy your early release. For me, probably the biggest story in my life where this forgiveness truly came in, I had a boss uh, eight, nine years ago. Uh, we were traveling on an account pretty consistently, and it got down to just me and him through various dynamics and various politics inside the office. It got down to just me and him. And I was not happy with him at all, and he wasn't too thrilled with me. We knew how to push each other's buttons. We knew how to just dig in. We had several car rides from the airport where we just sat in quiet in the back of the taxi. And I was so mad at him. I, was, I would come home, and I would bring the weight of my frustration with him into the house. My wife and kids could see the weight that that was carrying. And I'm sure it was super obvious to him, too. Because if I'm bringing it home and I'm showing it, there's no way I'm, I'm not showing it to him. So what is an early, finally starting to figure it out Christian actually doing, carrying this type of an attitude? I'm just fulfilling all the bad Christian stereotypes in his head. He's not a believer. And then it hit me one night. And the only thing I can attribute to is the Holy Spirit finally breaking through the thickness up here. I heard very clearly, you need to pray for him. It's not about the anger in your heart. Brian, he does not have what you're getting, what you're growing in. He doesn't have any of that. And suddenly, I stopped being angry at him, and I broke for him. I felt sad for him. He didn't have the ability to rebound or the purpose or the point. His was getting the bonus at the end of the year. That was it. That was motivating a lot of these decisions. He didn't have a bigger picture. He didn't understand the purpose to life. He wasn't connected to God. And instead of the anger, all of a sudden, I started to pray for him. And that all came to a head on one of our trips. Again, it was just me and him, three-day trip. And I decided, given what I was blessed with hearing, I was going to start trying to figure out how to build the bridge. And it started over at dinner one night. And LeBron James, I have a fondness for LeBron James, was the reason we connected again. He was back with the Cavs. We're watching the game, sitting at the restaurant that we're at. And that was the first start of conversation. What do you think LeBron's going to do in, in Cleveland? And it was the first sort of civil conversation we started to have. And then we unpacked what it was like to play sports for both of us in high school. He was a college athlete, so I couldn't quite keep up with him. But we connected on sports. And then the next week, 
we connected on how much we love our wives and talked about our, our affection for our wives, and then we connected on our kids and what it was like being dads, and all of a sudden, we both hated each other and we started to humanize each other. Now, he doesn't know that this is where it, what started it for me, but all of a sudden, I was given the words and the patience and the ability to reconcile. And I'm not saying this is exactly how it has to work for everybody. You don't have to end up at a restaurant on a business trip with somebody in order to find reconciliation. But because of this, this relationship ended. This same guy turns out part of this issue this whole time. He didn't know it. He had Alzheimer's in his early 50s. He had a family history. Sorry. Oh! Um, he had a family history. His dad died of brain cancer. He had a family history of brain issues. Uh, he couldn't find his words, so part of the conflict was concepts were making sense to him. He was struggling. I didn't know this. And so I was causing more conflict to what he was wrestling with. So when he finally found out about it, he opened up to me. Opened up deeply and emotionally about what was going on. And those last few months working with him before he finally had to step down and doctors told him, you cannot, he was C-level, he was a COO, you cannot run a business in your mental state. It is not good for the business, it is not good for you. You need to change your lifestyle completely just to get the most you can out of your last time here. Uh, and our final conversation, from full anger and hatred, was a giant hug. Why am I the crying pastor? <laughs> Funny, I, I didn't have an issue with this until now. Uh, and he pulled back and he looked me in the eyes. He said, Brian, I love you. And to go from where we were to where that ended, and it basically ended because the next phone conversation I had with him only six months later, he could not string words together. I only got there because of God. So the tears are as much as for the boss as they are for what God can actually do with forgiveness. So what does that look like in your life? Is it a family member? Somebody, maybe this has been decades, they're just tough. But maybe you've shortchanged what this experience can be. And I'm not saying that you have to go and talk to them and tell them. What I want you to hear is that even if we never talk to them and tell them that we want to forgive them or that they are forgiven, it has to start here. Don't fake forgiveness. Don't do it because you're checking a box because you think it's something you have to do. It has to start here. You have to find it in here and you have to find it because we understand who we are in light of God. Maybe that person is a friend or was a friend, long-time relationship that maybe went sour for some reason. Maybe it's like me. Maybe it was a coworker or a boss. Ready for this one? Maybe it's someone you've never met, but you are so angry, you have a visceral reaction to their name. Maybe you use terms like demon, evil, I hate them. We don't have to love what they do. We don't have to settle for what they do. But if there is a visceral hate in your heart, 
whether it's a politician, any public figure, heck, maybe you have a celebrity obsession and you hate a celebrity. This is not what we're called to do. This is not what we're called to be. So forgiving them, realizing they are on the same broken human journey, and here's the challenge for a lot of these people. They don't have the end game. They don't have the God part. How can we expect them to live up to that? So I encourage all of us to think through who do we need to let go of in terms of anger? And of course, it begs this one. Maybe you're the person on the other side of this and you're a little bit stubborn or maybe you don't even realize it and you need to go ask for forgiveness. Maybe they don't even realize that it's bothered you. I have a good friend who likes to apologize to me for stuff that isn't an issue for me. I'm so sorry I said that. I'm so sorry I did that. I keep going, I don't understand why you're apologizing. You're good with me. I understand your words aren't an absolute for who you are. We can move past this real quick. We're good. So maybe it's somebody in your life like that that you need to actually go and say, you know what, I'm sorry. I'm the one who needs some forgiveness. So again, let's take, let's take another little bit of time and think through. If you can, again, scribble the name down, put it into your phone. We gotta start here, and hopefully starting here allows us to actually sit down with them and figure out how we might reconcile this.
Philip, you haven't uh, spent a lot of time with me. You'll learn that I'm a cynic. Um, so my first question or my first reaction to if I was sitting where you guys were, getting more joy, getting more healing. Yeah, it's great. It's easy in theory, right? So how do we actually do this? And I think that's why I attribute it to getting more confidence. How do we actually do this? Jesus didn't stop short of helping us understand how we actually do this. He says it multiple times in a couple of different ways in the Bible. The one I want to use for today is John 15, 9 to 12. What I love about this text, this is in the upper room. This is when he's giving his last goodbyes and going, I need you to know this. I need you to know this. I need you to know this. You're not going to get me much after this. Guys, this is how this all operates. And the preceding verses for this are, I am the vine, you are the branches. And he explains God is the guy who's going to tend to the vines. And I am the, tr- like we, we don't work in vines nearly as much, so trees are a little bit easier. So I'm the guy helping the tree grow. Jesus is the trunk. We grow out of him. He's trying to get us into this imagery of how he is connected to the Father. And when we're connected to him, we grow. And then he gets very overt with it. He goes, okay, enough of that, as he usually does. Jesus then goes into, let me say it plainly for you now in case you didn't get it. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. It starts here, abide in my love. I love the word abide. It's this weird, abide is like you're kind of, like it kind of gives an image of you just, you're there, you just kind of hold still, like don't, don't go anywhere. But at the same time, there's a constant pursuit that's part of that. Stay with me, stay at my hip. It's Jesus saying, cling to my love. Cling to my love. Don't go anywhere. Don't let anything distract you. Eyes on me all the time. Abide in who I am and what I have done as evidence of my love. I also like this because when you first read it at first glance, you go, okay, I get it, Jesus. Here comes the bait and switch. He says, abide in my love. Simple and clean and easy, right? If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. Oh, I have stuff I have to do. Do you mean the 613 Old Testament things? Or are we just talking about the 10? If we're just talking about the 10 commandments, better. I don't murder. I don't steal. I might covet something every once in a while because that Christmas present was cool for somebody. But for the most part, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good on the commandments. Okay, maybe I can do this if this is what it means to abide in his love. And then he gives his reason. He explains why. He says, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So you know that whole example, the whole reason why I just explained, he's tending to the tree and I'm going to be the trunk. He says that these things I've spoken to you, he's telling these guys right before he leaves them to go to the garden, this is why abiding in my love is important, that my joy may be in you so that your joy may be full. Count it all joy. It comes from Loving him. It comes from seeing who he is and how much he loves the Father. Which, guess what? In this whole Trinity complicated, I can barely understand and explain exactly how it works, are the same person. So what he's basically saying is what he said before. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor. 
love God with all your heart, soul, and mind is how we're able to love our neighbor. It's how we're able to see difficulties in our circumstances. It's how we're able to get through the difficult relationships. And just to make sure that we're all real clear, notice he said commandments. Verse 12, so this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. If you want full joy, go love one another. Does anybody need it explained? Again, seems easy in theory, right? But it starts with how we view God and how we view ourselves. That's how we actually get there. Understanding how important it is for him that we love one another. And when we love one another, our joy is full and forgiveness gets a lot easier. So we can look forward to another year of confusion and wondering what new normal looks like and wondering why the people that are pains are still pains and wondering why the politicians never do what we want. Because we love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. That's how we do this. That's how we get more confidence because we understand that because Jesus was a baby that we talked about on Friday, became a man who made sure the closest people to him who were going to be the foundation of Christianity understood, go out and love people and do it because you see who I am and how I operate. It allows us now, 2,000 years later, to deal with the challenges, whether they're relational or whether they're circumstantial. And so this morning, we're going to take communion. We're going to end the year by doing a community moment. If you don't have one, please raise your hand. If you, hopefully everybody grabs one on the way in. We'll have, we'll have Keith come in and help you out. I think we're good. Nobody raised their hand. They're either intimidated that they were going to be the only person. Oh, my family. My family is raising their hand. We have several people, mostly my family. We'll talk about the giant table in front later. I'm going to hear that one later. Um, I've lost the train. It was, it was getting very spiritual, and I've blown it. Sorry. There is no bigger expression of what that love looks like than what he did that night. Chuck, you need one? Or do you have a question? <laughs> Chuck, too. No greater expression. He's taking his apostles in the upper room through all the do this, do this, when I go and I'm gone, do this, do this, do this. And he gets to the end and he says, you guys can't even fully wrap your head around this. But I want you to think of this bread. I want you to think of a meal. Something you're going to do multiple times a day, especially if you love carbs. Multiple times a day. And I want you to think about this is my body that I'm going to take to the cross. That I'm going to suffer because of the love I have for you. And I have that love for you because I love the Father. So let's 
Remember him when we take this. to the bread he says this drink I want you to think of my blood the blood that I'm going to shed the essence of life between breath and blood we don't function without those I'm going to give everything I have my body including the blood that makes it operate for you so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be connected to the Father, and so that you will never forget what this looks like, so you can take this and share this with others. Okay, so we're going to go into 2022. There's the natural optimism, and I'm actually going to start with the, here's not the path to getting more joy, more confidence, more healing. Just in these three sets of verses, we're stated very clearly, it is not about being perfect. It is about understanding how broken we are and how broken other people are that come along with us. Because of that, it is not about beating ourselves up. It is about, not about feeling guilty. It is about not wallowing 
in how much we've missed it. And it's not about completing a list of tasks. Jesus got it down to love the lover your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now let's be clear. In those, he still takes forgiveness very seriously. He still takes all of his other commandments and ways we express how much we trust God very seriously. But because we know we're loved, we take them seriously too. So here's our path to getting more of those. We're going to keep growing. We're probably not going to be perfect at the end of 2022. If you're close to getting perfect at that point, please send me a note. I'm going to have you preach the last week next year. But here's what we do grow in. It starts with we grow in our trust that Jesus is who he says he is, that his love for us is real, and that God's plan will be fulfilled. And because of that, it translates into our expression of it. We're going to grow in our expression of this trust. And we're going to grow in that in three ways. We're going to grow in showing that trust in tough times. Again, we're going to feel the pain. It's okay. We can be disappointed. It's okay. But we're not going to let it overwhelm us because we see the end game. We're going to express it through forgiveness. We're going to be people. We're going to be a community that the rest of this area goes, man, those folks at RCC are something different. They're not bitter. They're not holding on to stupid things. They seem to get something. They seem to have something that I don't have. And it comes out that forgiveness translates into that love, that expressible love that people feel welcomed and cared for. And it's okay to be where they are when they meet us. And because of that love, when we encourage them to grow, when we encourage them to read scripture, when we encourage them to seek more, they actually want to come along for the ride because they see what it's done for us. That it's not just cheap statements. It's not big yellow signs on a corner or at a pier. It's genuine. So gracious Heavenly Father, for this congregation, whatever we might be carrying with us from this year, help us to use today, the rest of this week, to reconcile, to work through those things, and help us as soon as we can, whether it's this afternoon or at the first or whatever, help us Help us to grow in you more. Help us to be a lighthouse. Each of us individually and each of us as a community. Help us to keep getting more joy. To be part of that healing process both personally and with others. And to have more confidence that you are who you say you are in every circumstance. Let's all stand together. I'm going to sing this last song together. Sing with all your heart, folks.
everyone. Have a great rest of your day. Let's take what we learn and give it away. <laughs>